Hello friend, welcome to the Stefanelli podcast. I'm truly grateful for you tuning in and listening to this episode. Today I spoke with a multi-talented artist, creator, musician, poet, playwright, actor, comedian, you name it, and dear friend of mine, Willi. We got into the myth of adulthood and how not expressing your truth to others and yourself can lead to great pain. We spoke about how a big portion of the ideas and beliefs we think are our own have actually been passed down by parents, culture, media or other influences. And we talked about how we can objectively and honestly examine these ideas and beliefs to choose what truly serves us. We also got into the power of creativity both on the individual as on the societal level and how making art can connect us all in profound ways. Without further ado, I present to you the magnificent Willi. Enjoy. Willi, my brother and friend, welcome to the podcast. Nice to see you. You're nice to see you too. Thank you for having me, inviting me. It's, it's an honor and a privilege. <laughs> so for people listening, if you don't know Willi, he is my handsome and beautiful friend over here. He is not only handsome, but he is also a multi-talented artist, uh, a playwright, poet, musician, comedian and more. So Willi, could you... Give us a brief encapsulation of the the creative projects that you have been working on and are working on uh, in the to kind of give us a overview of what it is that you do and are into. Yeah, okay, wow, <laughs> that's quite a tall order. I'll try. I'll try. I'll certainly try. Okay, so as you say, um, you know, playwright came came first. So uh, at the moment, I'm I'm working uh, in the theatre here in Akure. We're putting on a on a play that I've co-written, uh, also written the music for, and I'm performing in it. So, and it's a comedy play, so it really sort of uh, captures most of the things that you mentioned. Yeah. I, I think so. Uh, Basically, uh, it's hard to categorize yourself as any one thing when you're interested in so many aspects of of creativity and the creative arts. So I, I tend to think of myself as a sort of playwright performer, but but then I suppose being a, a, a musician and a comedian has been a bigger part of my life for the last few years yes. um, or has been responsible for the main part of my income, let's say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's hard because you know, it's hard to pinpoint yourself as any one thing, I think. So um, it really depends on the day what I think of myself yeah. <laughs> as, you know, Today I'm in a musician type of mood, so I'll write some music. But tomorrow I might write some poetry or start a new play. Or yes, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I feel like that's uh, one of the beautiful things about the theater is this bringing together of all the different arts. Like you bring together the music, the the written word. You know, when you write the play, and then the acting itself and the performance, and it kind of all ties together in this huge performance as a whole absolutely and then somebody has to make the costumes and and build the set or and design the lights and there are so many aspects to it that and and so many ways to be creative in the theater and i think that's that's probably why i think the theater it was my first creative love in life as it were so uh, and that sort of led me to become all these other things that i've become since yeah and I want to, because I, I want to get into the play that you are putting on right now. Uh, but first, uh, if we look at the comedic aspect of this, because this play is a is a comedy, right? Yeah. I, I want to get your opinion on because you're a you're a comedian yourself you've hosted all sorts of events and 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 do all sorts of videos and all this using comedy Mm -hmm. as some sort of a a tool in a way because it's so powerful to get uh, certain messages across 
for example, you know, making people realize how actually silly their actions are when you put them in a joke and they laugh, but then they realize, wait, this is actually my life. Like, <laughs> yeah. I do this. So, <laughs> so I wanted to get your thoughts on what do you feel is the the power and, and purpose behind you doing comedy? Mm. Oh, that's a very good question. I've, I think, as you say, I think comedy really... Um, reveals so much about you know the way we live our lives and what we think about ourselves and what we think about other people um, or society or whatever mm-hmm. uh, whatever topic you're sort of joking about. Uh, uh, but I th- uh, but it's also uh, quite cathartic. It releases something. Uh, so in many respects, I think comedy is sometimes the only way to deal with difficult subjects yes. because uh, you know talking about them really seriously doesn't really add anything because we don't really need to uh, to talk about we just need some kind of release something that sort of eases the tension or eases the pain or uh, and comedy can be such a healthy way to do that i feel yes um and 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 you're absolutely right i think it is a tool i think one of my favorite sort of metaphors for it is that comedy is like a like a hammer, because sometimes people say you can't joke about this, so you can't joke about that, yep. and and I I I really disagree with that because <laughs> I, I feel you should be uh, allowed and able to joke about anything so long as you're not hurt, hurting anyone. Yeah. And in that respect, I think comedy is like a hammer. You know, you can use and you can use a hammer to sort of nail in a nail, but you could also beat somebody's brains <laughs> out with a hammer. Yes. Um, and uh, but but it's your responsibility. So it's you're you're using the hammer. So if you use it responsibly, um, and to do good things, something constructive, building a a shelf or whatever <laughs> yeah. people do with a hammer, that, <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> and not really a trade for painting or something. <laughs> yes, uh, you know uh, that's entirely fine. But and I think that the same is true for comedy. You should be out, uh, allowed to joke about whatever you want to joke about. Um, but in the end, it's your responsibility to determine uh, whether the, the joke is offensive or hurting anyone. And then it's your responsibility and you have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, of course. But uh, I don't think you can say about any subject, you know, beforehand, before you've heard the joke, you shouldn't be allowed uh, to joke about this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably because I think it was Ricky Gervais who was talking about how... People often confuse uh, the subject and the target of a joke. So if um, oh, yes. somebody, you know, just because a joke's about some a minority group or something, doesn't mean you're making fun of the of of that. Yeah, group. you could just as well be making fun out of the people that are treating them. Uh, yes, like a minority. who are ignorant and are not tolerant or, yeah. or whatever. So just because something's mentioned in a joke doesn't mean that you're making fun of it. And I think that's a really important distinction yes that's a great point i was thinking about this the other day just regarding jokes on subjects because you it's a great metaphor that you use with a hammer and i was thinking about this uh in the sense uh, what people you're surrounded with does determine what jokes you feel called to use because if there is someone who you know, has only nine toes in the group, you don't feel comfortable making a joke about the nine-toed people. Or, you know. so Always classics of nine-toe jokes. <laughs> right now, because I don't know who will be listening, I, of course, don't want to, like... Uh, that's why I t- thought, like, there's probably no one with nine toes <laughs> listening. I would bring it up. <laughs> well... You get furious messages from people with only nine toes. How dare you? No, but the the point being, you know, the circumstance really determine if you feel comfortable to say a certain joke. Mm -hmm. But I was asking myself this question in sort of a philosophical way. Like, should we make it be that way? Like, do we want it to be that way that I, if I'm around certain people, I feel like I can say this type of joke. And if I'm around another group, I don't feel so. Mm. I I, I, know it's a really interesting point because I think, you know, deep down, uh, most people are, are, are decent, good people who don't want to 
be, uh, you know, cause offence or they don't want to, you know, hurt other people's feelings. Yep. So I think that feeling of not wanting to, you know, tread on anybody's toes, especially if they only have nine of them, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is, you know, comes from, a, comes from a good place. But we can take it too far, I think, because uh, we, we've seen this sort of development um, in society where people are getting offended on behalf yeah. of other people, not because they themselves only have nine toes, <laughs> yeah. but they, they get offended because somebody's aunt somewhere has nine toes and you can't say that. Whereas yeah. the person who only has nine toes might think the joke's really funny. Yeah, exactly. But other people are saying, you can't do that to those people. And and I think that has maybe been taken a bit too far in you know this getting offended on behalf of others yeah um, and uh, i even have examples of this you know from my from my own life i you know many many years ago i wrote a really silly song called um lesbians everywhere <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, because I, I was sharing a uh, a flat with a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine who's a lesbian, and 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 I thought it would be really funny to write this song, yeah. which I did. And <laughs> then I was performing it, and usually it, it, it you know people really really laughed and thought it was funny because it's so silly and absurd. Yes. Uh, and I think it's it's so absurd that it's clear that you know I have nothing but love for lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you played me a song the other day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And. Uh, uh, but then uh, I remember we did a, um, a performance one time and, and another friend of mine, who's also a lesbian, was in the auditorium with her then girlfriend. Yes. And um, she told me after because she really loves that song. And she told me afterwards that um, she noticed how before people started laughing people around them started checking to see if they were laughing oh, yeah. to see if it was safe <laughs> yeah I because see. otherwise they might not have laughed because then they think oh no you know they're offended by this song i can't laugh even though i find it funny i i have to yep. keep it in yeah, yeah yeah but as soon as they heard and saw them laughing it was okay, okay the yeah. lesbians are laughing now we can laugh too <laughs> <laughs> yes. so which i find really interesting and fascinating how but it's I think it comes down to sort of um, this sort of group mentality or, you know, wanting everyone within the tribe or herd to feel comfortable. Exactly. mm. And it it really all boils down to what the intention behind a joke is. Like, is it actually... Are you saying the joke in a way to hurt someone or make fun of someone? Or is it more to try to connect everyone together through comedy and that might be by pointing out some weird features that someone has because the truth is that like certain groups act differently than other groups and when they interact sometimes it's just super funny to see how it goes yeah (laughs) but if we can joke about this and see it for what it is and not get so caught up in it's really like a separation mentality if I think, okay, this is a group that I don't belong to and I belong to another group. And if we are making mean jokes on each other's behalf, uh, that really says like, okay, I'm not part of this and they are not part of this. And that's when it can become mean. But if we really get into this unity mindset, we're all just, you know, people together. And and it's funny that some of us have nine toes and some have ten you know, then it can be a really powerful just to, you know, of course, laugh together and, and point out silliness that is going on and, and maybe make people realize that, oh, okay, this was actually weird that I have this stigma towards nine-toed people. Now I see them as one of the tribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think that's, you know, when comedy succeeds, really succeeds and is at its best, you know, it's when it brings people together. Whereas it can also be, as you say, a sort of, you know have this negative impact we've all been in a room where people are laughing about something and when you're not part of the joke when you don't understand what people are laughing about you feel excluded and you feel sort of left outside the uh the group but i but but that is because it's such a a basic human need i think to laugh because it is sort of one of the foundations of our uh, you know, living together and yeah. as a society, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's a foundation just in human connection and communication. 
But okay, let's take it then to the your play, which is a, a comedy. Can you tell us just the uh, the background story of what the play is actually about and what the core of it is? Yes, uh, happy to, happy to. So um, basically, the the play, uh, which is in Icelandic, is called you know grown up or yeah. grown ups, uh, and it's about becoming an adult and what a terrible, terrible disappointment it is to become an adult. <laughs> Because uh, at least, you know, speaking for myself, I remember as a child, I thought, I can't wait to become a grown-up because I will have everything figured out. I can do whatever I like. Uh, you know, I'll sleep in, I'll eat whatever I want, um, and there'll be no worries. And, and uh, but, but the main thing was that grown-ups know what they're doing and they've got everything figured out. And that's what I really look forward to, especially when you become a teenager and, and everything's a mess. And yeah. you're thinking, I can't, you still think, I can't wait. In a few years, I will have everything figured out and the path will be clear and I will live happily ever after. And then, as you become an adult, you realize what a, what a, you know, what a fucking lie that all of this has been. <laughs> uh, you know, and everybody's, uh, uh, it's, 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 it's a bit like, you know, you're Santa Claus or something. Yeah. You know, when you're a child, uh, you know, your parents feed you the lie that Santa Claus is real and whatnot. And then at some point you, you realize uh, uh, he, he does not exist. And then don't you know, spoil it for the people <laughs> listening. Really. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> I'm on a crusade here. <laughs> but um, but then you know, as you know, people have children themselves. They think, oh, I'll I'll tell them about Santa Claus that he's real and sort of keep the lie alive. Yeah. Uh, and I think the same is true. Uh, you know uh, about this sort of myth uh, of you know uh, adults knowing what they're doing and having everything figured out as you know when you become an adult you realize that you don't have things figured out and probably no one has things figured out everybody's just winging it from day to day and hoping for the best and hoping that other people don't realize what a mess they are (laughs) Uh, and and uh, but, but you also feel responsible to sort of keep this myth alive that you know you you pretend to have things figured out so that people who are younger than you or just people the same age or even older yep. still think that you you've got everything together and you know what you're doing yes and it's uh, not very helpful i think i think a lot of the problems we have in society you know people um burning out you know a lot of depression and, yeah. and all sorts of mental instability and whatnot boils down to people sort of pretending or feeling the need to pretend to be something that they're not yes and no one will you know become probably because at least speaking for myself i've yet to experience this all-knowing feeling of of being (laughs) having it all figured out yes (laughs) still hoping for it (laughs) yeah there's a few different things that come to mind for me thinking about this uh, really yeah what what is happening is is that we are pretending that we are something that we are not and that forces us to wear a certain mask and hide the truth within ourselves but if we could all really set the truth free and, and tell each other how it's actually going and have compassion towards each other not to judge how it's actually going like okay you got everything you fucked up but i'm still gonna love you like we will figure it out mm-hmm. uh that would you know we've all experienced for example telling someone a secret that we've been holding in for a long time it feels so good just to release it like oh i don't have to uh, maintain this front anymore i can just they, they see me for who i am and it, it feels so good mm-hmm. but uh, then i ask myself where does it come from this myth like uh because we see this, this is so common in society. Everyone experiences this. Uh, where does it come from? Is it something inherent to the human being? Because we don't want to seem vulnerable. We want to seem strong all the time. And then we just rather like boil things down inside than, you know, come clean and just tell people how we are. Or is it, is this something that we are 
uh, is it something that culture raises in us that because the parents keep on telling you this myth, then you feel like you get the programming from them and you decide to do the same with your kids? Or where, where does this come from? No, that's a really interesting thought because I think it, probably a mixture of the two because I think on some, you know, in pr- primal level, I think this is, uh, is something from nature. I think, uh, you know, when people you know thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of years ago started living together as tribes um you know somebody had to stay up all night and sort of guard you know where people were sleeping mm-hmm. and i think uh somebody was always responsible for the the welfare of the, of the herd or tribe uh, and so for instance if if you were the night watchman and you were supposed to make sure that the lions didn't come in the night and, and eat everyone. Yeah. Um, you sort of f- probably felt the need to so be alert at all times. I think you know, probably the best example of, of this sort of silly pretense where I, I remember being called at you know, 6.30 in the morning one time, yeah. and obviously I was asleep at 6.30, and somebody called me and said... Sorry, was I waking you up? And rather than just saying, just, yes, but that's all right. I I will sleep again at some point. (laughs) Hopefully. Uh, Hopefully. Rather than saying that, I went, no, no, no. I've been awake for a few hours. (laughs) (laughs) I woke up at three. I did my morning routine. (laughs) Of course, you didn't catch me unaware. I I knew what I was doing. I knew you'd call. So so, so these sort of... Really, really silly and uh, just a pointless lie. Yeah. But it it somehow felt so embarrassing to be caught not being prepared for something. Yeah. And I, and so I think this this lie about having things figured out stems from the same same root. Uh, and it's being prepared for the lions to come in the night. Being prepared for every possible eventuality. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, I was ready, and I'm always ready. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's the same if we go back to the tribal uh, societies. You don't want to seem to the other tribe that you don't have your shit figured out. Like, you want to look like you got this figured out because, you know, otherwise they might come and steal all your stuff or they might come and, and take uh, all, all the animals you have or something. So you want to look like you have things figured out. Yes. But then when you take this example of someone calling you, I think to myself, how much of the time are we trying to protect ourselves with this because we don't want to be caught off guard? Or are we protecting the person because you don't want to make them feel like they were doing something bad? Mm, so, so by waking you, you up. Yeah, so you say, no, 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 it's no worries. When actually, like, I, I would have liked to sleep because I, I was thinking about this just yesterday, how many times we keep the truth of ourselves within because we don't think other people are ready to handle us telling them the truth mm, yes uh, that's a really good point because it, yeah and i feel like this is a good example where i would not feel like if someone calls me at six that it's like shameful that i wasn't awake and i was caught off guard i would i would probably do the same thing as you and say like no 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 i was awake well, I, I don't know, but if I would say it like that, then I would be out of the... <laughs> it would be because I don't want the other person to feel bad. Mm-hmm. And I do this sometimes in my life when I, I don't tell the truth because I don't want the other person feeling bad for me, uh, you know, saying this, like, did you actually hurt my feelings or something? And yes, okay, I felt a little bit bad after this, but you, we obviously know it was all good, you know? Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. no worries. Don't worry, you didn't do anything bad. But if we were all take a mature standpoint in this we should be able to tell each other truly how we feel and handle like okay i hurt that person in this moment or i woke them up early which they didn't enjoy but now we both accept that this is the reality and we're not going to make a fuss out of it after it we both acknowledge it we both share our truth and then we can come to a uh you know, conclusion together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll settle it with a duel. No, <laughs> 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 um, but I think, uh, yeah, but also I think it, it, it comes from this, you know, when you're a child, uh, obviously, you know, the first grown-ups 
uh, and adults you get to know are your parents or whoever raises you and and those people your your world is sort of built around those people knowing what they're doing and you feel they have all the answers they know when you're supposed to go to bed yeah they know you're allowed candy once a week or whatever yeah. they figured out all these rules yes. so they must be really wise <laughs> yeah. and they must know everything there is to know um and so you build this sort of um idea of the world in your head around that because they are, are the closest examples of adults that you have so therefore all adults must know know this yeah but then also we have this, uh, this, what I like to call the sort of Disney influence, but it's really the fairy tale influence of how, you know, how all Disney films and how most fairy tales, at least, you know, today, maybe not in the, in the grim period where some of those are really dark, you know, most fairy tales end with, you know, and they lived happily ever after, yeah. as if happily ever after was a constant state yeah. that you achieve you make it there and then it's all figured out you don't have to worry anymore yeah and i think that goes hand in hand with you know this becoming an adult figuring everything out uh, you know and and in the play you know we sort of cover these things that, that society tells you on some level that you have to do be, to become an adult you have to educate yourself so get some sort of education you have to uh, find somebody to share your life with you so uh, uh, a spouse uh, and then uh, preferably if you can you should have children yeah uh, and you you need to find a job a suitable job based on what you educated yourself as and then um, you, once you've done all those things and you buy a house or a flat, and then you wait until you die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really sort of the recipe. And that's the, the happily ever after part where you've got, yeah. you've achieved all those things, you've figured everything out. And then, you know, it's, it's checkmate. Uh, you could just, you could just. Wait. If you put this at the end of every fairy tale instead of they lived happily ever after. <laughs> and then they waited until they died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would change the tone quite yeah. a bit. <laughs> no, but it's, because it's so uh, infantile to think that, you know, because we all know that, you know, one day you... You, f you feel great and the next day you're feeling a bit down and it's just it's just the normal normal so it's absolutely normal to sort of have these ups and downs in life i think yeah um and it would be naive to think that you could achieve a level of existence that's devoid of all those ups and downs yeah you know it just reminds me of a thought that i've had so many times just when you say it like this ups and downs if we, if we take this picture of the heart monitor, you know, it, it goes up and down and that tells you you're alive. But if you have a flat line, then you're dead. <laughs> then you know? you're de yeah, no, that's really, really excellent way to look at it. It's, it's exactly like that. Yeah, because, you know, yeah, if we think about this living happily ever, ever after, uh, the fairy tale picture is that you reach just this state and then there's nothing that will need to change from here. Like this is just the constant state that you've made it and you live happily ever ever after but the i i think for myself if if there would be like a point where i feel like i have every single thing in life figured out and i could just sit down and you know there's nothing left to do mm. then that's really like game over like okay you know there then there's no point anymore to keep on going no you could just jump out the window yeah, or, yeah because the, there's nothing to add yeah exactly but you want there to be some kind of challenges coming up and you want there to be more quests in the in the fairy tale and you will have to go and fight another dragon and you will have to do these things because that's where you grow and you know if you this top point would be like the point of Jesus or Buddha or someone that has completely realized the the whole game. Mm -hmm. But still, no, they... My image of someone living happily ever after like this would be some kind of like Indian saint or papa that just sits on the street and doesn't eat anything and or do anything and just sits there in complete bliss. Uh, and definitely there is some beauty in that. 
but for me there is the spirit within me like I don't want to have it all figured out because that leaves more to figure out like yeah. if I don't know everything there is still more to know absolutely and I think the same is true in, in creativity and art I mean if, if you you know when you set out to create something let's you know for the purposes of this example let's say you're writing a song yes. uh, you have this you think oh i want to write this type of song or i want to write a song about this and and you have this idea of what this song is going to be like in your head uh, but then the end product will always be something slightly different to what you imagined that it would be yes uh, and i and that's the most beautiful thing about it because i think if you could write the idea exactly as you imagined it. Yep. Uh, you you you'd write one perfect song and then you <laughs> you have nothing more to add because you wouldn't have anything to figure out. Yep. Yeah. I. This brings me to like this thought of that we need to have certain limitations for there to be anything at all. Because, for example, when you're creating a song. You can't make it into the experience of everything figured out, uh, everything conclude, no, everything included. Like the, it includes the truth of everything in the song because that would just be, you know, life in whole or or something. But when you make something, you will have to put a confinement around it where you say, okay, this song is about a certain subject, and that means it's not about another subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that leaves you to write then later about this other subject. Mm-hmm. And this is the beauty of limitation is that, you know, without any limitation, there is no experience to be had. If you didn't have the limitation of existing in a body, you would have no idea who you were, or where you were or anything. You need a limitation. Mm-hmm. Like my body is this and it's not this. And that makes also... Uh, for experience i know that i have these limits you have different limits which are your body and we can interact together Mm -hmm. and there are so many different limits going on interacting with each other and then we can explore this all and i feel like it it connects to just like if you were to write this perfect the best song in the world that would be the yeah, there'd be nothing more to say after yeah, that. Exactly. So, um, which is the worst thing to happen to an artist if you you know if you have nothing more to say. So I think that's probably the worst thing that could happen to you would be to write because <laughs> so yeah because you, w- you wouldn't have any art to create after that. Yep. Um, but I also think it's an interesting point, you know, with the limitations, how I remember reading uh, somewhere that, you know, and I think that's also very true, that the more specific you are in, you know, talking about something, say, let's say, you know, for instance, by writing about one character's feelings rather than, you know, writing about society in general, yep. uh, you capture something more universal by writing about one person's yeah. feelings than writing about, you know, how an entire group feels because because we can all connect on an individual level. Yeah. So I think more often than not, the more the more specific you are, the more universal it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. And when you place a certain limit, you, of course, exclude what is not inside of the confinements of the limitations you've set. But it is a such a way more potent drink because uh, you know if you're writing a sad song and you decide just to limit yourself to this depressing sad feeling uh, and you're not writing about all the other feelings this is the feeling you're going for then the people that are actually going through it they will connect with it so deeply and there will be people that are happy and they don't you know care for the song at all Mm -hmm. but that's all right because you're not trying to uh, make it for them you're you're limiting yourself to this mm-hmm. um and where was i going with this i had some thought <laughs> well that's all right you, uh, I, well i can't remember where we started we were talking about the play on yeah. some, but but we've but, that, but that's the interesting thing it's it's the journey not the destination and i and that's true about life as well i think um you know and that's the point we try to make in the play is that you know even though you're supposed to or supposed to as society would like you to believe 
you know, tick all these boxes and and fulfil all these, uh, you know, conditions to become an adult. You know, it's all make believe. In the end, I think you know you should because you you will never have things figured out, mm-hmm. and all the self help books and uh, uh, TED talks or whatever. <laughs> uh, trying to uh, sort of tell you otherwise it's just bullshit really <laughs> you know they might have some really interesting points and helpful helpful guidelines along the way to to better yourself or improve yourself yes uh, but they will never lead you to have all the answers because no one has all the answers yeah um so but what we're trying to sort of do because it's it's a comedy but i think Uh, like we're talking about earlier, how, you know, comedy can be sort of cleansing by sort of um, addressing these these things that we all go through because we all, you know, get older and are supposedly adults in in the end. Um, You know, I think by by treating it with a comedy lens, by looking at it through the comedy lens rather, uh, I think we, we can sort of... We can laugh at ourselves while acknowledging, okay, so maybe, maybe I don't have to, you know, live my life in in such a way. Maybe I should be more honest with myself, with everyone around me. No, I, you know, I don't know how to do this, or or I feel yeah. out of my element or out of my depth here. But but but, and it's all right to admit that. It doesn't yes. mean that you failed at life. Yeah, yeah. I- this got me thinking about now when you said being more honest with yourself as well because we were talking earlier that you're like you're trying to deceive other people like you know that you got it all messed up but you're trying to make up this mask and this front Mm -hmm. for other people to think this uh it it goes the same for oneself because we deceive ourselves uh, so so much like we we make ourselves believe that we have things figured out and and don't uh a lot of the time we lack the courage to look within and actually see the truth within ourselves and thinking about these different programs or ideas that we are made to believe whether it be by culture or whether it's human instinct or what whatever uh, most of these we did not choose ourselves like I, I did not choose to believe that the system has to be get this education get a job get a spouse kids and and that's the, like the default program. I I didn't choose to believe that this is the truth, but somehow it was ingrained to me as an idea where I thought that yeah, this is what I think. But there was a certain point in my life I feel like it was two years back or something when when I just looked at this objectively and looked at the idea without the attachment that like this is my belief because I I thought that this was how it goes, mm-hmm. and I just looked at it and I thought wait maybe I had the option to choose something else. Like maybe this is something that just somehow was fed into me when I was a kid and I can choose something different. And then I realized that I wanted to do that. So I did. And and my life is not like this at all. Um, But I feel like it's such a healthy practice to do this with really any thought that you have, not to attach yourself to that you actually feel this to be true but to be able to put it outside of yourself and look at it, is this actually my belief or or do I, did I just get it from somewhere? Did someone just put it on me, whether it was the media that mm-hmm. said it so many times that you believe it to be true or your parents, which is a lot of the ideas we have come from our parents. Yeah. To be able to just like look at all these things and and decide you know do i want to keep this or or not do i want to replace it with something new absolutely i think i thought that's so true and i think most people never because it can be uncomfortable to sort of question because it breaks down your whole reality oh i i thought i was the person who believed this but this is not how i feel yeah it's all been a lie or, or you know almost but whereas you know but but it's so healthy to question these things because um and it can be quite therapeutic as well, because uh, I think oftentimes you don't really 
No, uh, I, one of my favourite quotes of all time is from um, the English novelist Ian Forster, who said, how do I know what I think until I hear what I have to say? Yeah. And I think that's very true <laughs> because, you know, often, I'm not, I'm of, often dis, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily speaking out loud, although it's often the case. You're, yeah. you're talking with a friend or... Uh, and. And all of a sudden you're discussing something and then you say something and you think, oh, I didn't realise I felt this way about it until I said it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but, but it can also be in, in writing. You can sort of, you know, you're writing, you know, you collect your thoughts. You, you think, OK, to, to really know what I think about this, I'll have to write something yeah. down to just sort of capture how I really feel. Yeah, because then... Instead of just keeping it internal, we, we bring it to the light. We put it down, whether it be in a word or on a piece of paper or something. Mm -hmm. And then we feel like, okay, this is not me anymore. This is a piece of paper. This is words on paper. And then it's easier to objectively look at this and, and not be so connected with that this is actually your uh, idea or your belief. I, I feel like this has been one of the most helpful practices for me just to write things down. Like when I... And when I have a certain problem, you know, just in the society today, we we see so much division, like the uh, people that, uh, yeah, well, you could take really any subject where if we look at, for example, Democrats and Republicans or something like they they hold on to their ideas so tight that they don't even hear what the other person is saying no but if but if they if people could get together and put the ideas on a table in front of them and not have them be inside of themselves but rather like take the take your self out of the equation and really place the ideas in a pot in the middle and evaluate what actually serves people then we could come to conclusions together. Absolutely. And, and that's, it's a sad development, I think, be, uh, you know, the, generally speaking, it's very uh, obvious in America, but I, th I think you can see it, you can see it here in Iceland as yeah, well. of course. That, you know, political discourse is not really discourse anymore. It's just people shouting their opinions yeah. at each other and no one's listening to what the others are saying. Yeah. And so uh, there's no, there can be no development when no one's listening. I think whereas if people were to really talk and sort of try trying to figure things out together something might come of it yes but if it's just you know um monologues on both sides <laughs> yeah. and, and nobody's listening to what the others are saying you know there's no point to it yeah that's a great point this really manifests both on the personal level and the you know societal level and, and really wherever you look at it it always happens like this uh, where the, the the real growth happens when you can place yourself out of the equation and, and look at both sides of the coin and then take an intelligent decision once you know both sides. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Willi, I, I want to get into with you a little bit the we touched on like the creative process here. Yeah. Because you are such a... You, you have so many different things going on when it comes to cre creation. Mm -hmm. And I want, wanted to get your uh, thoughts and, and how you feel about the difference really for the individual and the collective when someone goes ahead and creates something. Uh, because there's one thing to create something and it's another thing to share it. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the power for the individual in your experience in creating, you know, whether they share it or not? What do you get out of creating something, whether it be a song, a poem or a, a drawing or something? And then if we look at the collective, what benefits or, or not benefits does it have to put it out into the world? Oh, that's a, a, an excellent question. I I think... There's nothing more satisfying, you know, whether you share it or not, to create something or, or, or to sort of, you know, go to bed thinking, you know, I've made something today that didn't exist before. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think, that, and especially if you think that it has some merit or quality, <laughs> and you're happy with it, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not just a piece of garbage yeah, that you that pile. didn't exist before, <laughs> yeah. but now it is here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if it's something you, you know, if, if if it's something you feel happy about, and you connect with yourself, uh, because I, you know, that's really the only parameter and sort of guideline that you have is. Because, you know, I often think, you know, if I like something, um, you know, be it one of my own works or that of somebody else's, I know that there are, you know, thousands and thousands of other people who will connect with it on the same same level. Yes. People who sort of share my, my taste and, um, you know, sensibility when it comes to these things. So uh, I think in that that regard you know that's probably the best feeling that you can have yes is to have created something that didn't exist before you know you know <laughs> given the condition that it's any good at all yeah yeah but uh, to actually share it then that's um an extra step obviously uh, and and that's probably the hardest part of the uh, the creative process because you know, just creating it for the sake of creating it is all well and good, but but it, it doesn't have any impact really outside yourself if if you don't share it with someone or or, or make it available somehow. Yeah, um, and that's the, um, uh, the the I think a, a tr- you know the true artist will eventually share the the work of art with his or her audience somehow because that's what makes them an artist you know the vulnerability of actually putting yourself and the work that you've created out there yes um and uh, you know um, and that's why uh, you know I, I, I you know even though you clearly are an artist if you create a work of art i think for you to to fully become an artist, you have to put it out there because that's the integral part for me at least yeah. of 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 uh, giving it life because you know otherwise it's just something uh, uh, an item or a or a thought that's trapped somewhere yeah. in, a, in a drawer or a computer or wherever you keep your <laughs> your your art pieces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, I I agree with what you said. Uh, I I just had this idea in my mind of like a person that creates art but doesn't share it with anyone. Still, I feel like there can be a benefit to that because if it is making the person happier, then she or him will go out to the world and share that with other people. And we know that if people are happy, they will most likely make the people around them happy. So there, there is some good in that. Of course, of course, uh, absolutely. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that, uh, and, and and those people are obviously artists yes uh they've just they just haven't taken the 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 step to fully embrace their identity as an artist yes of course because it's really hard to uh embrace your identity as an artist if no one knows that you are one because we we are such social creatures that you know we built our identity on uh, or, or with other people really you know and if no one believes what what is your truth or knows about it? it it's hard to say that you're actually an artist if you're just alone sitting and doing it no yeah but now we're really getting into definitions for the word uh, of course of course but but i think people also sort of uh, many people like that are sort of too uh, some people are too modest or they feel like um, taking the step of actually sharing it is a bit too sort of oh look at me look at what yeah. I made and and feel that that taking up too much space yeah uh, and that's sort of holding them back and I th- and I think you know th- there are a lot of artists who are sort of like that but and and we've all been guilty of that at some point yes. often because you have to do it just to get yourself out there it's just a part of the of the job as it were. But also, uh, but it's a misunderstanding on another level. I think to because you know taking that space is not just sort of you know putting yourself out there and just 
treading on everybody's nine yeah. toes <laughs> to you know take attention from something of, no. of more value or merit it's it's also you know revealing something of the human condition and that we're all in this together and and so on and so forth yeah and it really comes back to what we were speaking of earlier like making yourself vulnerable to other people when you share your art is definitely not about this hey look at me like look at what i created it's more of like a hey you can look at me like this is who i am and and when you vulnerably share this it gives the opportunity for people to open up themselves because they listen to this wait i actually feel this way myself and then there's a connection that is made so i feel like there's tremendous power in sharing it and for me as an artist myself i I see it as such a huge part of my process. Like I wouldn't feel the same if I just sat alone with all this stuff and I never put it out there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think like, am I going overboard? Like, do I really need to share everything I do on the Instagram story or something? (laughs) But I feel like this might help someone, you know, so I put it out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it can't be at the cost of your self. Like you you don't want to put things out there if it... Like if I just speak for myself in this, if I feel like I'm always documenting or always creating something out of my life, whether that be a song or a video or a blog or a Instagram post or story or whatever, sometimes I get too caught up in this and I I feel like, wait, you know, I I don't want to share this. I just want to be in this. Mm -hmm. Like I don't I don't need to maybe put it all out there. So there's a certain balance to be found there because when I don't put anything out, then I feel like now I need to put stuff out. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So you know, you go back and forth. Absolutely, and 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 you know, and the, the same thing is true there as in other aspects. There's no right way of of doing it, and it's all just a, a in the end, it's just a balancing act. You're just yes. trying to, <laughs> you know, walking the rope uh, and trying to figure out how to you know do this juggle the knives yeah. while you're doing it or whatever you're, you're carrying with you yes yeah that's uh i feel like this is a great conclusion to the conversation really yeah thank you so much for getting together here no, and speaking it was, it, about this it was my my pleasure we've been all over the place but, <laughs> but that's the best way to travel just <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the best way so i'm looking forward to seeing your play man i can't wait to see that no i, I look forward to having you at the theater it's gonna be fun okay great blessing thank you brother thank you Steph. A- and thank you for listening thank you so much for tuning in to the conversation between me and Willy. i hope you enjoyed this as much as i did if you want to find Willy on the social platforms you will find his comedy page on facebook it's called vantraidaskalt and you will find Ville on Instagram at Vilhjalmur B. Bragason. I will link to all of this in the show notes so you can find him there. And if you want to support the podcast and support me and everything that I am doing, it would be beautiful if you could give this five stars if you're listening on the Apple Music or share it with your friends, tell your family about it or post it on Instagram or whatever. It really helps a lot. And also I have a new EP out now. It's a four song EP called Dimensions. Uh, it will be sure to get you dancing and moving. It's like a funky, poppy vibe to it. And I also launched my Patreon now again. So you can uh, go over to Patreon. You'll find me, Stefan Eli, at Patreon. I will also have this linked in the show notes. And there you can get exclusive content, unreleased music that no one has heard, uh, posts and poetry and videos from me that you won't find anywhere else and you can subscribe for either just two dollars a month or six dollars a month and it truly helps out for me to be able to you know do bigger projects and keep on creating all the stuff that i'm doing also my website is live it's called stefanelli.life i'm super pumped with not having .com or .anything is .life so stefanelli.life there you will find a bunch of information if you want to support or if you want to read about the, what all, everything that I'm up to or find the music or support in any way, whatever, it's all on stefanelli.life. Uh, all the links will be in the show notes to the website, to Ville, to me. So thank you again for tuning in. I'm sending blessings and love to every single one of you. Hope you're having a great time. Kisses. 
Thank you.